2: Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from roving rangers to remarkable recoveries. And today we're covering the Red Dragon. Prepare yourselves. (laughs)
1: All right, Brian, red, hey. red Dragon time. So, like, do they name themselves or what's the deal with that? What do you, What do you mean? Like it's red. The, like I'm a red dragon.
2: Well, I think the humanoids name the dragons because dragons have their own language. So who knows what they call themselves? Keith. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So red dragons are um, also known as flame dragons, fireworms, and mountain dragons, and they're generally perceived as the mightiest and most feared of all chromatic dragons. And some would even say just the mightiest and most feared of all dragon kind, with a few caveats to that. But um, they, they have this reputation for a pretty good reason, because red dragons kind of epitomize the iconic dragon traits that we attribute to dragons.
1: They're like the they're like the focused in dragon. They're like they yeah. have all the like when you see a dragon on TV like smog or something like that. Yeah,
2: that's I think smog would definitely be a red dragon in D and D. He even has a reddish hue to him.
1: He does. Is it like a size? Uh, is that a good size comparison to a red dragon? Because I know red dragons are supposed to be like super duper big, living in like mm-hmm. giant layers or whatever. Well,
2: you know, you know dragons of course uh, they increase in size as they age. Mm-hmm. I would say that Smog in the movie The Hobbit is probably the size of an ancient red dragon in D&D. Okay. But I do know that Tolkien's dragons are fucking
1: ridiculous. Which well, yeah, I've seen some of this, like, scaling on the, yeah. on the Tolkien, like...
2: S- yeah, smog Jeez. is, like, on the really, really small end mm-hmm. of the spectrum, with the right. biggest one being, like, the size of a yeah. fucking continent. I, I'm Middle Earth. Yeah, I'm basically, just, I'm just, yeah. I'm the continent over here, yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. But back, back to, like, red dragons and why they have the uh, reputation they do is basically take all the... Um, Knowledge you have about dragons and then turn all that up to 11 like all dragons are gluttonous but reds are the most voracious consuming far more than they need all dragons are greedy but reds are avaricious and covetous beyond reason Uh, all dragons are wrathful but a reds fury destroys all in its path okay like all dragons are prideful but reds are arrogant to the extreme. So like a, a
1: squad of giants is like, oh shit, a red dragon. Let's mm. get the fuck out of here.
2: It depends on the giants, because giants do kind of compare to dragons like on the on the power scale. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they had a the whole thing uh, about giants and dragons is they had this huge war way right. back in the day. Yeah. But um I but know yeah. that in
1: PAX games they do some like uh giants and dragons. They had like frost giants with like a white dragon oh, that's like pretty in cool. the same area and they yeah, like, you know, the boring. players are like traipsing through, <laughs> you know, casting fireball.
2: Right, of course. But I would say, yeah, red dragon probably uh, strikes fear in the hearts of most giants, for sure. Um, red dragons see themselves as the pinnacle of draconic perfection. They see themselves as the favored children of their queen, Tiamat. Yeah. And they're pretty much correct. Like, they really are way better than all the other dragons. <laughs> and they are way more favored by Tiamat than any of the other dragons. So, okay. Their bearing is both proud and terrifying, and their disdain for all others is fierce. And they're more red than like most red things. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't <laughs> see a lot of red things in nature because it's like contrary to like camouflage. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which some of the lore gets into. It talks about how like when red dragons are wormlings, it's the most dangerous time in their lives because they're at their weakest and they're fucking red. You can see that shit on the mountainside. <laughs> like, let's We got to go get that. But once they get a little bit of age on them, they become an unstoppable alpha predator. Mm-hmm. So there it is. I'm a I'm a tank. I'm a flying fire breathing tank. <laughs> So in a lot of ways, red dragons are D and D's depiction of the quintessential medieval mythological dragon, uh, more so than any of the other D and D dragons. They reflect the legends, fables, and fairy tales that tell of fire-breathing monsters that ruin kingdoms, devour virtuous maidens, and send valiant heroes home as charred corpses. Yeah, yeah. In D and D, when tales of an evil dragon are being told, and its color isn't specified, it is extremely likely the
1: story's about a red dragon. I was gonna say it's like yeah. that's, that's, just that's the stuff you're telling default. your kids. Exactly. It's like oh, that time that red dragon came and burned down the castle. Exactly. Yep.
2: Yep. You you know it was a red. Took
1: all our gold. <clears throat> how does it carry gold? Um well the like when it's magic? when it's building a horde, like where <laughs> how is it collecting its hoard and I like mean, moving its its It has really
2: big meaty claws. Big so, meaty claws. So it can it can really grab more than a few chests in
1: each each hand. But you think it's like the dexterity from a claw grabbing. Is it just like palming dragons stuff? Dragons are pretty high dexterity. So. It's like a Harlem Globetrotter just like palming
2: a basketball. There we go. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> Your chests are mine. But also magic. You know, they can like make little mini planes or have a, what are they called? Bag of holding and stuff oh, like wow. that. Oh, wow.
1: They just like create a pocket dimension to carry all their gold and Indeed. then fly home. Yep. I was I was kind of thinking you're gonna say they eat it and then like throw it up. Actually, I think that is part of the lore. A lot of dragons do do that. Really? Okay, that's pretty cool. Cause like that's a big stomach.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think actually, yeah. Now that you say it, it
1: rings a bell. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how most dragons do it. At least early in their life. And I bet they spend like a good like couple days like cleaning their gold when they get back to their hoard because they had like yeah maybe know, it's like bird vomit or
2: maybe maybe they have like natural juices that do the cleaning well. It's in their gullet. oh shit like you, mean, they picked possible. up oh,
1: all your gold is so dirty. I'm gonna eat it <laughs> so it's clean when I get home.
2: Indeed. So red dragons are the largest and most powerful of the chromatic dragons. Uh, they're easily identified by their deep red scales. Uh, and their scales, by the way, they, they're not metallic like the metallic dragons are, but it's stated that they are as strong as like steel, as metal.
1: So what's the deal with that? I think, like, <clears throat> is it like, you know, just like really, really tough leather almost? Or like reptilian um, scale kind of I deal?
2: would bet that the texture of and density of dragon scales is somewhere
1: between bone and metal. As I know when I play like RPGs, like video games, you can like pick up dragon scale armor yeah. it's usually badass or like yeah. a shield like yeah. a buckler that's made of dragon scale yeah absolutely that's super tight you're,
2: you're talking skyrim to me right now so okay yeah, yeah i haven't played skyrim <laughs> I, know, I know i i hear you out
1: there everyone
2: <laughs> everyone wants brian to play skyrim <laughs> well, i will make d- i will make it happen <laughs> most people are just
1: like aghast i that I've, I've not touched a <laughs> controller it's one of those
2: games where it's like everyone's played it so you're always surprised when someone hasn't played it yeah yeah but but yeah so that's that's how i would describe dragon scales but Back to the physical descriptors of a red dragon. Um, They also have a set of swept back uh, wings. They have horns atop their head that are kind of like uh, I guess like goat kind of horns. Okay, cool. Yeah, kind of curve
1: up like a ram. Yeah, like up. or No, no
2: the curve like like a goat, not like a ram. Oh, they kind of like stick out to
1: the side a little bit.
2: No, no, they go literally up and oh, back. Oh, straight like back. Well, yeah, like, like a goat. ram.
1: Rams have like these big. Long Rams have horns curvature.
2: that curl like that.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, and they come down. huh? Yeah, like oh, a black dragon.
2: Black dragons have ram horns.
1: Okay. Oh, that's uh, right. You're right. Yeah. So yeah.
2: Um, they have a spinal frill that extends from their neck all the way to the tip of their tail, and they always smell strongly of sulfur and pumice. It just kind of surrounds that's them. That's foreboding. Yeah, indeed. Um, they have slightly beaked snouts that are always venting smoke, and uh, again, they're back to their wingspan, they have the biggest wingspan of all dragons. It's one of their huge identifiers. You see them flying in the distance. It's just this giant weak wingspan. So, yeah, <laughs> wow,
1: shit. Indeed and it's it's large even in proportion to their enormous bodies because they're also the biggest dragons. It's like when a pl- you know when planes fly over and like block the sun for like a second except like you know for a long time. It's like that. Yeah,
2: sure. <laughs> so when red dragons are young, it's when a red dragon is young, its scales shine a bright glossy scarlet. As they age, their scales turn into a duller, deeper red. Also, as reds age, their draconic pupils of their eyes begin to fade away and the oldest of red dragons don't have eyes at all, they have these glowing, molten orbs instead of eyes. What? (laughs) You have to understand, dragons are, they're magical creatures. Sure. A lot of their physiology doesn't obey, like, the laws of biology kind of deal. Yeah. And they become more elemental in nature as they age.
1: Oh, that's really (laughs) cool. So they become more like, you know, fire, I guess? Exactly. And
2: you'll see this more uh, with all the other dragons as they age. It's kind of the same kind of deal. Also, when dragons die, they usually have some sort of elemental effect that happens.
1: Okay, like they turn into a volcano.
2: Eh, not quite that extreme, but, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. Okay. So not only are red dragons archetypically evil, but they go so far as to recognize and pride themselves on their traits of vengefulness, rapaciousness, avariciousness, and ferocity. So, like, not only are
1: they these things, they openly admit they're these things, and they're super proud about it. Oh, yeah. They love themselves. Isn't that kind of their thing? Is like they're really kind of narcissistic in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. They're extremely prideful.
2: And, you know, with pride comes all the other sins kind of yeah, deal because you sure. feel like you're entitled to these things.
1: Yeah, they're eating that's, a lot of gold. Yeah, that's exactly More how red gold dragons than they should. Are. Yeah.
2: The red dragons do despise each other. They hold the shared opinion that they are the ideal draconic species and that all other dragon kind have kind of slipped away from this purity, if you will. Oh, shit. Okay, Which doesn't really make sense because it's not like they all derive from the same original draconic lineage, as far as I know. Oh, what? Like, they're not all born of Tiamat or whatever? Well, they all are born of Tiamat. But Tiamat
1: but, is split into, but like, But Tiamat five. has all five heads.
2: Yeah. So, like, this idea doesn't really make sense, if they're you like, think Well, about the red it.
1: one's the best,
2: and, like... Like, how have they slipped away if they were never reds in the first place? Is kind of what I'm trying to say. That's
1: kind of interesting, because yeah. anything that comes from Tiamat should be, like, the pure dragon. Right. And so, is there... Maybe... Maybe that's just their uh, but their this, avarice. Yeah, their, this, it's their just their pride narcissism. because
2: the blue dragons kind of feel the same way. Maybe not the whole slipped away from purity thing, but blue dragons think they're the best. They so are pretty cool. They are pretty cool. I can't wait to do blue But like even white dragons think they're the best. They're like, not. Yeah, they're not. But, <laughs> but my <laughs> point is they are. They all feel this way. It's just the reds are the most right about it. <laughs>
1: do you <laughs> uh do you do you think like uh like the ferocity of like fighting a dragon like comes with home field advantage. Like if you go to a dragon's lair, it's much more difficult. Never
2: fight a dragon in its lair. Well, well, I know lair actions,
1: but even, even like outside of its lair, like you want the dragon to come to you and put it in a situation
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Okay. So like
1: if a white dragon wants to fight a red dragon, it's like you come fight me at my house, in my
2: ice house. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's what a white I mean, as much as white dragons think they're the best, every white dragon runs like fucking hell from a red dragon, except unless they're an idiot. Or they way out age the other dragon.
1: Do you think the <clears throat> Okay, so age and then I'm I'm talking power scaling right okay, now. Yeah, yeah. So if a white dragon is in mm. its lair and a red dragon, Came to its lair And they're you know Same age similar. Same age Yeah Um. I mean How, the white go? dragon
2: Definitely has a decent shot At winning that fight Because lair actions are a bitch Still tilted in the red dragon's Advantage though You think mm no I think it would be tilted in the white's advantage because not only the layer actions you have to think all the minions in the layer probably serve the white dragon there's probably traps set up like I don't think dra- dragons generally don't fuck with other dragons layers because number one is kind of taboo but also okay. because like yeah it's super dangerous nice okay. like I would say an ancient red dragon rating an ancient white dragons layer still kind of tipped in the white dragons favor despite the power scaling difference
1: okay so that's some that's <clears throat> some some crazy shit if you're if you got a campaign with that going on right to be some something serious, bad blood going on yes, for a red dragon yeah. to go do that.
2: Now a red dragon might do that if, like, see, no, see, you would never find yourself in a situation where the white, dra- the ancient white, and the ancient red both made layers in the same mountain. It just no, wouldn't happen. Yeah,
1: because the red dragon would definitely not allow that.
2: Exactly, no, not at all. Okay. So it would have to happen under the red's nose, but that just wouldn't work. That right? Just, no. Just a no. I I agree. (laughs) So uh, red dragons rule over their territories and domains as like petty and spiteful tyrants who fly into destructive rages and impulsively uh, act on their anger. Sure. Um, They forgive no slight. They kill over territorial intrusion, over the tiniest theft of their horde, over insult, or just because they want to. Yeah. Like, (laughs) dragons I, woke I think up on the wrong side of the bed. I think t- it's because of their relation with fire which is a, a naturally destructive element. Reds are naturally destructive. Like they can only go so long without needing to break something. <laughs> it's kind of what I get from them. It's like yeah, everything's great even if everything's going their way. They might you know what I'm going to burn down a forest today. For sure. It's been a while. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how red dragons go. Yeah, about I haven't burned
1: moves. anything lately. Yeah. That just, looks good. I'm going to burn that. And the thing is they won't even do it.
2: Like, like we're talking about it unless jokey kind of like chill way. Like red dragons have anger problems. Oh yeah. They'll it's, just it's be terrifying. mad one day and go burn down a
1: forest. It's really hard to role play <clears throat> some of the more intelligent creatures mm-hmm. when I'm DMing a table. It, It's hard for me to, you know, there's all these alien mindsets in D&D, so it's hard to get, like, oh, I got to be mad as shit. And, like, I really don't. But I
2: don't understand this anger. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The last time
1: I played D&D, also, I was like, oh, man, I'm being a dick. I don't want to, like, my friends to think I'm a dick at the end. Oh, yeah. No,
2: I know what that's like. Because whenever you play a character who's a dick, you have to gauge whether you're going too far with it or not. And it's tough. It's tough to do. I don't want to, like, call my...
1: My friend, my my players, this like awful name. Right, and then, right. You know, I gotta, uh, there's a boundary somewhere that you can't like ever separate in the role play yeah. from like real life. Right. It's, no, you're absolutely it, right. It's hard to yeah. traverse, but you know, having the understanding between the players, like, this is how red dragons be. Right. So that's, that's how, how I'm going Dra- to be. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so true. So despite their
2: anger problems, reds are not like mindlessly violent. Um, they are hyper intelligent schemers and strategists. They spend a lot of their time developing vast arrays of tactics for use in every cons- receivable combat scenario. So kind of think like a, you know, beholders, like, think about say, a plan yeah. for everything. Mm-hmm. Reds kind of do that, too, to a less paranoid thing. It's not like reds don't think everyone's out to get them. Reds are just like, oh, but this could happen. And what would I do in this situation? And like, oh, I would do this, this and this. And I would win because I'm the best.
1: More like chess, right? Kind of like chess. Yeah, yeah like yeah, a beholder's playing so. chess, but the beholder is like... Well, like I could die, I could die at any time exactly. if this happens. Yeah, so exactly. I need to do all these things. But right. what if they do this? And right. it's just exactly. a, that's it's a constantly... never-ending
2: loop for the beholder. Yeah, for the red the... dragon it's much more in the realm of like a strategic genius is kind of just they they do these things for fun. They go through these combat scenarios for fun and because they can and because they're really good at
1: it. Right. So a beholder is constantly changing its lair, They're trying to account for scenarios that probably won't ever happen where exactly. a red is like I built my lair I set up my traps, mm-hmm. I know what my contingencies are, and I'm the best. Exactly. And then he goes to sleep. Exactly. That's okay. exactly
2: what a red does.
1: So furthermore, beyond all the planning, reds are
2: incredibly confident, incredibly capable combatants with the ability to display exceptional mar- martial prowess with considerable mo- mobility, even considering their size. Like They're really good jumpers and climbers. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually, it was stated in the lore, they prefer to fight in like hand-to-hand kind of combat. Oh, shit. Um, they're like wrestlers. Versus like flying around like greens and blues which I have a lot to say about because I guess I'll say it now because a lot of people talk about like I put my players against a dragon and they kick the shit out of it what do I do and a lot of people will come back with like oh well you shouldn't have had the dragon land like why would a dragon ever land they have wings that can just fly around and that is a very valid argument but there's a lot of lore around some of these dragons where it literally says they don't like to do that and, like, also, sometimes it's nice to just be able to have a dragon land and start, like, clawing. Have a real combat. Yeah, have like, a real combat. Y- and, y- like, there there needs to be ways to boost the power level of these dragons so that they can do that because they should be able to do that.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like with the red especially that the the pride factor is going to be like, I want to go down there and yeah. kick your ass on the ground because yeah. I can.
2: Because you, you can, Exactly. And th- the thing is there's other dragons that have it in their lore where they don't like to land, like green dragons. They, a green dragon would never land unless they need to. I mean, it's
1: strategically cuz greens are kind of like the dirty dragon. Right? Yeah,
2: they play dirty and they're hyper hyper intelligent and they just like to do artillery and like they they don't even like to fight at all. They like to have other people do the fighting for them. Is their breath is green breath like acid? A uh, poison gas. It's poison gas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean But my my point here is that like I understand people coming back at like uh, DM's having this problem saying like, "Oh, you should have never landed." And in some cases that's true, but also it doesn't solve the problem that the DM actually had, which was they wanted this
1: monster to land and start kicking the shit out of their players, and instead the reverse happened. Well, I mean, it's this weird thing where, like, yeah, I'm a level 15 paladin with the mm-hmm. best armor, right. but, like, really, that wing should really just crush you no matter what. <laughs> but this is this is D&D this mechanical is D&D. thing, yeah, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. We all signed up for this, right? Right. So... But the, here's the thing that always happens, and I've seen, you know, in like crit roll and stuff, they, mm-hmm. the, the dragon comes, they kick its ass, but then it flies away, and that's a whole different set of problems.
2: Right, it is. Are we going to get
1: that's into, a- I'm sure we're going to get into layer and in like this. Oh, yeah, half we're going to talk episode. about
2: layers and layer actions and all that stuff. Yeah, we're maybe we can sets. talk more
1: about like dragon recovery and stuff later, because it's just like a whole different, yeah, you had a combat, but then like if that dragon gets away, it's a whole other set of problems, just yeah, like man. you said. So,
2: yeah, so red dragons, they do have martial prowess and considerable mobility. They like to do hand-to-hand combat, but they're also excellent spellcasters, um, and they have an extremely potent projectile weapon in their fiery breath. Uh, the legendary ferocity of a red dragon is a force to be reckoned with. Um, but for all its legendary ferocity, a red dragon can recognize a superior foe and choose to withdraw rather than attack if they can do so while saving face, and I think this is key. A red dragon, for instance, a red dragon sees a gold dragon. Sure, And maybe they're about the same age. And gold dragons, let's face reality, they're stronger than red they're dragons. They're pretty good. Um, or at least they're on even ground. A red dragon might want to back down from that. And if they can do so without the gold detecting them or with no one else witnessing it, they'll do so. But if their pride is in question, that's where reds falter because they won't back down. That's they a, yeah. refuse to take a wound to their ego, period, and a story. Um, so, yeah, there's that. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So, like, just a, a random encounter with a gold would be like kind of detrimental for a red. Yeah, exactly. And if there's no one around to see it, they might just back the fuck off. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but if I don't know,
2: if other reds are watching or if a blues watching, well, they'll probably get back up in that case, but if like if someone of import is watching and the red knows it the red won't back down because it won't want to take the wound to the pride it
1: just sounds like a bad situation for the red all around because oh, like yeah. if a blue is watching and it goes to give back up as like hey we're chromatics together fist bump yeah uh it's gonna hear about it at the end of the fight yeah right? oh yeah
2: you know it you so know then it. they're gonna duke it out <laughs> yeah reds and blues do not get along at all and they might duke it out and we'll, we'll kind of get into into that in a bit but before that um, of all dragons, reds are the most obsessive treasure collectors. Uh, they covet absolutely anything of monetary value. and they often have a, a very shrewd appraiser's eye for judging a bobble's worth with nothing more than a glance. Okay so they can look at anything and they know how much it's worth. They probably know like who the fuck made it and stuff. not specific mm, people, but maybe like a, a red. I would say it's reasonable to think that a red would have that kind of knowledge to a certain degree, but it's more along the lines of they just have a really good eye for quality.
1: Well, yeah, I would think it would be like, oh, the elves made that. Not yeah, like yeah, these exactly. elves made that. Yeah, yeah. But I
2: think you're you're on the right track there. That's exactly how it would be. Um, when it comes, uh, so a red's favorite treasure. Uh, I, lo- I love this. This is a quote from the 4A Um A red dragon's favorite treasure is everything in their hoard, everything of value in every other dragon's hoard, and everything of value possessed by anyone else. <laughs> They're so unabashedly and indiscriminately greedy that no preferences, habits, or patterns in treasure acquisition emerge. They just want it all. Yeah, for sure. And it's all theirs. I mean, what do they do in like, uh,
1: an economy with like paper money? Where they can just, like, print more money. You know,
2: I don't know, because D&D doesn't have that. So, <laughs> I mean,
1: that that would be interesting. I, I would like to see how that would go. Or, like, you know, like, maybe there's a currency. Maybe there, you're playing, like, a, a cyber, you know, thing. Yeah. There's, like, digital currency. Yeah, like, in, in, like, a cyberpunk type of
2: world, I could see a dragon being, like, the head honcho CEO of like a mega
1: corporation. Sure, okay. That's their whole like uh like you know? ruling it behind the shadows or whatever. Or not
2: or in the open because if we're talking about like a future fantasy type of world like yeah dragons exist, like no one's hiding
1: that. Yeah, red dragon in <laughs> just like a fucking suit sitting yeah, behind a desk exactly. made of like glamorous mahogany. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. Going to its like, office like I don't like you. Fireball. <laughs> right. You're dead.
2: Or it would be uh, if we are doing it in hiding I could see it being like uh, the red dragon comes into the office every day Dressed, like, in a suit, but as a humanoid.
1: Oh, like a polymorph? Yeah, Yeah, like a polymorph. Sick.
2: Yeah, and then, of course, like, you get into it with the CEO, and he reveals his true draconic nature and eats you. Yeah, and then you're dead. (laughs) So red Dragon uh, is so obsessed with their horde that they know um, the exact value of every single object in its horde and its exact location and where and when it was obtained and all that other stuff, and they can tell if a single coin goes missing in their horde. Hell yeah. They're that hyper aware of... Their belongings.
1: They, that doesn't even necessarily mean that they're organized, right? It could just be like no, a mess no, and they're just like, don't, t- like, I uh, have a system.
2: Yeah. <laughs> don't touch anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For like sure. That. <laughs> so, yeah, in all their pride and wrath, uh, red dragons are solitary and territorial creatures by nature. Some would say fiercely isolationalist. Even a red's territory, entering a red's territory uninvited, uninvited is asking to be eaten. Mm-hmm. So they don't. Like it when anybody comes into their territory. Reds make it very well known when they rule a place. It's not like I rule this place and everyone just needs to know about it, like on their own. Okay. Or find out the hard way. No, Reds fucking announce it and they make sure everybody knows that they're there. They're there to stay, and everything and everyone here belongs to them. They're like shouting from the mountaintops, (laughs) like
1: "Get the fuck out of here! (laughs) You're all mine. This is my place. You get over there."
2: So no one should be entering a red dragon's domain unaware unless they're a complete
1: idiot. So by domain, do you mean like a like a, a carved section. out territory? So right. they just like they they do a lap around their territory and like burn a uh, fire scar into the ground or something um, like that?
2: I don't know if they, uh, that would be kind of cool and you could do that. But I, I think just generally speaking it's like, okay, that mountain has a red dragon. So everything within I don't know, 30, 40 miles it's definitely red dragon territory. For and sure. If you enter, it's going to find out and it's going to be pissed.
1: Yeah, that would be sick if you're a party and you come across like this just charred like strip of land you know like the uh um, that would be cool the canadian the straight
2: burnt border
1: the canadian u.s border how they yeah. cleared all those trees oh yeah yeah and if it looked like that just like a scar of that like, would be super charred. cool
2: i really like that idea uh, any nearby humanoid community will be ruled and terrorized by the red dragon who will consider the community and all within their property by right they will demand obedience and tribute or they will unleash their horrors upon those poor people. Anything red seems
1: to be into subjugation.
2: Yeah, I mean that's kind of dragons in general. I mean they're well, even giants. Tiamat is the goddess of tyranny. Yeah, so there it is. Yeah. So in spite of their perceived fierce independence, um, reds do take a keen interest in the world outside their territory, but mostly only to keep track of how their status measures up to the status of other red dragons. Oh, nice. Okay. But we'll get more into that after our short rest. Cool.
1: From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million dollars stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. It doesn't matter if you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you'll sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. It's like I said before, Shopify is going to take your business no matter what stage it's at and elevate it to the next level. all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast.
0: During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the part of the episode. We're not talking about the last thing we're talking about. We're talking about something new. It's cool. It's love. I love you. I love you, too. Thanks. Thanks, Will. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's talk about some other people that aren't us. Who? uh, Okay, I love you guys. Anyone can hear this? I love other people, too. Let's talk about those people. Uh, I love you, Terry Baer. Thank you, Terry. Oh, this is your Patreon shout out. This is yeah. for Patreon. Um, <laughs> Terry Bayer, thank you. Thank you, Terry. Uh, let's see. Joe Maxwell, thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Uh, let's see. Dome. <laughs> thank you, Dome. Thank you, Dome. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Santos, again. Thanks, just Santos, again. Plug you all the time. Um, Sarah S. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Court of Revelry. Thank you, Court of Revelry. We know him. He's in yeah, the yeah, he's in the Discord. Uh, she, okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Nicholas Lindval. Thank you, Nicholas. You sound like a hockey player. Uh, let's see. Luke Wood. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Allie Moore. Thank you, Allie. Thanks, Allie. And uh, one that just came in, uh, Vincent Gerard David. <laughs> Thank you, Vincent. Thank you guys so much. Um, it's really overwhelming to see all the people coming out and supporting the show. Um We met a goal on our Patreon to get new microphones, and I'm so excited. It's very
2: exciting.
1: Ah, I've been wanting new mics for so, so long. Um, We love our mics, but I would love some other mics even more. We want better mics. Yeah, better microphones, definitely. It's going to really help the quality of the show, so thank you guys so, so much. Um, There's another—it's just kind of overwhelming how quickly we're approaching the next goal uh, at this rate, and uh, that one's really awesome. If you want to know what it is, go check out— Patreon.com slash The Dungeon Cast. You can see what we're going on there. There's tons of cool bonus content. If you like the actual play stuff we do, you can see it there. And if uh, you guys want to help the show even more, probably the most helpful thing you can do is to tell somebody about the show. Um, somebody that doesn't already listen that might like the show. Um, and there's lots of ways you can do that. Will, you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Uh, Yeah, you can uh, tweet out about the show. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah. What I don't what
1: else do you want me to talk about? Well, like in the somebody <laughs> tagged us on Instagram. Um, oh, okay. So cool. like you could you just tell they were like, Hey, I'm watching this episode of the Dungeon Cast and making me think about life. And I'm like, Hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. So just telling people in any capacity, tagging us on social media, talking about the show on social media, it's really super awesome. Um, sharing the show like with a YouTube little share button, or just telling somebody straight up, get on a bus and just get up on that bus and just look at people in <laughs> dead in their eyes and tell them about the dungeon cast. Indeed, please do. Yeah. So that's super Super, super duper appreciated. And I think we're going to call it there with a short rest. All right. Let's get back back to the the show. show. All right, Brian, we're back. We've returned. Indeed we have. We've returned. We're going to talk about more Red Dragon stuff. We are. I we assume are. there's a stat block on the way.
2: There is, eventually. We're going to get there. I have a few more pages of notes to get through, but we'll get there eventually. So we were talking about how Red Dragons like to keep tabs on the outside world, mostly to keep tabs on other Red Dragons. It's true. And we also talked about how Red Dragons' uh, Red Dragons' pride is easily damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so, All Red
1: Dragons are Vegeta. Yeah.
2: Oh, Yeah, you <laughs> could definitely say so. So... So long as a red believes that their achievements and possessions are greater than other reds that they hear about, uh, they'll remain in their caves smugly, kind of congratulating themselves and just feeling good about being them. Sitting on their gold pile like, I'm the best. <laughs> Indeed. I'm the best around. But learning news that another red dragon's achievements or possessions may be greater than theirs will cause a red to lose their fucking mind. <laughs> They're just, they go into a vengeful rage. So um, this is a source of a lot of conflict due to the fact that red dragon's Go to great lengths to make sure every other red dragon knows how inferior they are. Mm -hmm. So, red dragons are kind of always fighting. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Usually, uh, a red dragon will let other red dragons know how. Badass they are by causing uh, as much destruction as possible, all about and taking as much stuff as they can. Sure. And making sure that survivors spread those tales. Oh, nice. So, you they'll know, they'll probably
1: leave people alive to go tell the, the tale. Yeah, of what that's what red dragons do.
2: Yeah, that's what they tactically do. Would it
1: be so. feasible if you have a red dragon problem and you know of another red dragon to go martyr, to have somebody like basically essentially martyr themselves, go to the domain of that dragon and tell them to? regale that red dragon with the tail of the other red dragon and be like, you should really do something about that because they're way better than you, asshole. Yeah, I'm sure red dragons would and do do that. They would eat yeah. you and then go try to mess up that other guy? Exactly, very much so. How, I wonder how that would end because like you'd probably one would kill the other. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think a lot of this leads to
2: direct conflict, but it also kind of just leads to intense one-upmanship. Okay. Or each one's trying to one-up the other. So it, and might, like, it
1: might spiral into bad times.
2: Yeah, very well, much so. And remember, the dragons live such a long time that, like, okay, one red dragon hears about the other red dragon and might, in its rage, go into a plan to one-up that other red dragon. But that plan might take a decade. Right, okay. So, like, the, these things, they do
1: escalate, but it can happen on a much, like slower scale I'm trying to think from like a party standpoint how do I kill this red dragon Mm -hmm. because if you can get two pit two against each other and one kills the other you can go clean up that's true then they do a lot of that that in like uh like when you go fight um demon lords or whatever there's a demon lord okay all right All the demon lords fight each other, and then there's one left over, a specific one. I'm not going to talk about who right. the demon yeah, lord is. Right, yeah, I know. Yeah. You're
2: talking about uh, Rage of Demons, the, the adventure is module. Is that the one, yeah. and the
1: party shows up at the end, and they have to fight? Right. You know.
2: I mean, that's a common trope of like, oh, these evil things are way too powerful for us. We'll put them pit them against each other. Right. Kind of deal. Too and much Yeah, chaos. you could definitely do that with dragons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of cleaning things up, though, reds have this philosophy of might makes right and ownership belongs to those strong enough to take and keep it so whenever a red dragon is defeated or extensively like robbed by a lesser being it super upsets the red dragon community as a whole oh and if this news spreads it will almost definitely cause reds nearby to descend upon the weakened kin's lair kill their kill the red for being weak strip them of their lair um, and that'll be that. No weakness among red dragons is fucking allowed.
1: Like, let's say a, I don't know, like a halfling with, a, I don't know, like a magic ring invaded your shit and yeah. took like your most precious gemstone. Yeah, yeah, oh, very okay. much.
2: Although, um, maybe not quite that scenario because smog would have had to be damaged as well. Like, I mean, I'm not actually talking about smog do. necessarily. Well, Okay, yes I, mean, I am. Yeah, you
1: are. <laughs>
2: so anyways, so like all other dragons, reds can eat and survive on most organic matter. But more so than any other dragon, they prefer to eat meat exclusively. Some go so far as to starve themselves rather than eat plant life. Oh, I was uh, going to say, they just start eating trees once they like forage everything else? Yeah, no, they, they, they'll just straight refuse. Their pride's too great. Um, they will devour any meat, but they prefer tender morsels of younger humanoids best. So oh, what? Oh, thus wow. red dragons have a really bad reputation for eating young women and children.
1: Eating babies? They're just going around eating babies?
2: That's kind of a callback to ancient medieval stories about dragons. There's a lot of sacrifices to dragons, women and children. Women and children. Yeah, okay. Sure. There are two major factors a red dragon takes into account when deciding on where to make their lair: altitude and temperature. Okay. Reds prefer high altitude locations where they can perch high and mighty while surveying their domain. They also prefer hotter climates, which does not have great synergy with the high altitude No, part. <laughs> yeah, not at all. They really don't.
1: Well, like so, a volcanic, a volcanic well, mountain. Yeah, I was and...
2: about to say, so Red Dragon's ideal layer is a location within an active volcano. Right. Or a mountain with like sulfurous geysers or like geothermal activity. Totally. You okay. know, like that's... Mm, that's cream of the crop for them. <laughs> uh, but in the absence of this amazing option, they'll tend to choose the highest elevation over anything else. Okay. So uh, they, sometimes it could be on top of, like, tall snowy mountains or on top of, like, a desert mesa or among, like, rocky badlands. Whatever the tallest thing in the area is that's big enough to hold a dragon. Cool. That they can, like, dig
1: into. I'd oh, be sick if it was, like, a giant tree. yeah. I could
2: see that, but like red dragon, fire, tree. I know. Not, yeah, not I thought, I thought about that as soon yeah. as I said it. I
1: was like, it'll probably burn that shit down. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely.
2: Um, it would be too tempting for them to burn. They love destruction. Well, They're like really a like, fit of rage. I can't make a home takes. here because I have to destroy it. Or so. it just gets
1: mad and just like, oh shit, I burn it down. Tape. Exactly. Got to relocate my horde. So their habitat of choice can
2: bring them into conflict with hill dwelling copper giants or copper giants, copper dragons. Okay. Um, which of course copper dragon just better run for its fucking life. Yeah. Length, dear God, this is my house now. Uh, Snowy mountain-dwelling silver dragons, which that's much more of an even fight, or or white dragons who also should probably just run. Um, also, cliff-dwelling blue dragons, so they can come into conflict there. Um, only the blues and silvers will give a red pause and even then only if the age disparity is bi- is big enough to warrant the caution power scaling indeed so when it comes to other dragons a red considers all others are enemies uh, their level of animosity though is directly correlated with the other dragons perceived power level so a white or brass dragon flying near a red's territory but maybe not into it the the red might Deem them not worth the effort And let them fly by Or maybe go show up And like bully them A little
1: bit Is it another like Eyeball assessment situation They don't have scouters To tell people About their power levels
2: It's it's, yeah But I mean It's it's a little bit of that But dragons are going to Recognize each other too So like You know, it's gonna recognize that. Oh, that's Varanthraxus. I know. I've heard tales of him. Oh, nice. Okay. Like, there's a finite amount of dragons. They know each other. They all live long enough. Yeah, there's not so many that they don't. They're not strangers to each other necessarily. Necessarily, like I, I guess
1: everyone's uh, an acquaintance in the dragon world. I guess you're you're not just trying to acquire material possession. You're trying to get good bits of knowledge and stuff. Know who your enemy is. Yeah, there's that
2: that too. And a lot of dragons are always doing that. But as I was saying, so like. Um, the weaker the weaker type dragons, a red might just like bully a little bit, or like just straight up like fly up to be seen and intimidate them away. But then, <laughs> but then just leave it at that. Well like maybe a green or bronze, it might actually be attacked by the red. Okay. But then the red will let them retreat. Yeah, like, what's up? Like, these are my wings. Yeah, I'm gonna bite you. But then when we get into the higher levels, like a blue, a silver, or gold, we'll throw a red into an uh, intense frezzy, frenzy, and the only outcome acceptable for the red is to kill the other dragon. Oh, shit. Like way too close in to power level, way too close to damaging the pride. Must kill now. Must kill That's, now. Yeah. So, there that is. Still above all others, reds despise silvers and golds the most. Silvers, for the commonness of their clashing because of uh, their shared territory of choice, mm-hmm. um also silvers have the ability to kind of hang tough in a fight and they use cold breath attacks which don't do extra damage to red dragons but red dragons really fucking don't like cold so silvers just really piss them off it's just an uncomfortable battle it's just an uncomfortable battle and yeah. it makes them look bad because yeah, they, sure. you know, they cringe a little bit <laughs> and then of course gold's for the fact that like they're the only dragons a red straight up fears so yeah okay although they'll never admit that they, they're they scared because no. so. they're the best because they're the best that'd be funny Either if it's like not. you
1: iced my wings I hate you yeah it sucks. <laughs> exactly oh. <laughs>
2: (laughs) Although there's cool, and Dragonlance has a lot of dragon fights, and there's there's cool images when they're at war. Like I say, images, but I guess paragraphs.
1: Fantasy images. Fantasy images. Images Images you create with your mind.
2: uh, Where uh, the reds and the silvers are fighting, and like a red falls from the sky, its wings are frozen, and it crashes and dies. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's super cool shit. Oh man. (laughs) So the life cycle of red dragon of a red dragon is quite long, with their lifespans reaching twenty five hundred years plus. It depends on your lore. Some dragons don't live as long, depending on your setting. But mm-hmm. courtship among red dragons is a perilous affair, since all acceptable suitors are also dangerous and hated rivals. Okay. So anyone worth mating with, you also fucking despise because they're worth mating with. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> um, so most successful couplings between reds are with a younger dragon that is in high standing among dragons of its age group, uh, approaching an older dragon that could crush it. But by approaching the red dragon, they're kind of like uh, stoking its ego. Because the the older red dragon is going to know that this younger red dragon is a real up-and-comer. Yeah, sure. uh, Like a, a, a cut above the rest of its... like. Uh, it's level of its, its power, power yeah. its age level. So by coming to them, that's a huge ego stoke. Oh, so sure. This Of course, this is going to have the, the best synergy of actually resulting in eggs hatching.
1: It's just like cougar.com or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and part of it is that, you know, the red's not threatened by the younger one, and it sees the younger one for its worth, so... So there that is. So red dragon lays its eggs roughly five and a half months into a 22-month incubation period. Uh, the clutch number between two to four eggs. So it's, it's, it is it's it is like a reptilian feel? Yeah. It's like uh, this weird half reptilian, half mammal creature, I guess is you could Tiamat say. Is Tiamat having eggs? red dragon or dragon's period are warm-blooded. It oh, yeah. Okay. Thing. Sure. Does Tiamat lay eggs? I don't know. She's a goddess. She can if she wants to, I suppose. Or she could just like vomit a bunch of dragons. I'm sure she could choose not to lay eggs if she wanted to. I'm not sure. I mean, there how has to works. be.
1: I'm pretty sure when we talked about Tiamat, there was. She like, does lay eggs. Because yeah. there was coitus. Yeah. Oh, lots of coitus. Yeah. So, so like, much that coitus. was like a big, big topic was the amount of coitus. It was. So. It was like a huge section of the Tiamat lore <laughs> was Tiamat's coitus. It's all the coitus. That, well, it's all dragon lore. It's not <laughs> That's just. That's true. Yeah, dragons are nasty. So I was. Uh, and they get nasty. I was uh, DMing a. Um, A tiefling Mm -hmm. that was a sorcerer, Mm -hmm. and they have that dragon blood thing. Yeah. And it was like, well, how do we get the dragon blood in? I was like, oh, how do
2: we work the draconic thing? That's one way to do it. Yeah, Yeah. Some coitus. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's, one way to do it for sure. There's just so much coitus. I've seen some cool stuff where like the dragon sorcerer, who's like a human, uh-huh. but they have dragon blood, like yeah. they, they hoard their gold or like oh, they cool. sleep on their gold, like they just can't help it. <laughs> so I've seen cool, cool little cool things dragon, like
1: that. Uh, like uh like personality traits exactly. start coming there's through. M-
2: there's multiple ways to do it. That's but, cool. Um, just to kind of map out the lifespan of a red dragon. So from zero to 200 years, the dragon will be a wormling. From 200 to 950, they'll be considered uh, a young dragon. From 950 to 1900, they're an adult. Okay. Anything beyond 1900, they've reached ancient status.
1: So, wormlings are not participating in Coitus. No. So, the the young dragons might be, though.
2: And not usually. Usually, it'll be... Well, maybe... I could see a young approaching an adult or an adult approaching an ancient. So yeah, you're right. So a Somewhere young a young dragon and an adult dragon are the two most likely to mate and produce eggs. Cool, because okay. of, because of their asshole culture. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Continue. When an ancient dragon dies, it's it environmentally diffuses. So I was talking about remember what how they're like essentially very elemental in nature. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I can't,
1: I can't throw out. You said asshole <laughs> culture, and my brain went so many ways. I'm trying not to. I swear to God, Brian. I'm trying All not right. to take a thread of so, jokes so that anyways. it's going to be bad for the podcast.
2: So <laughs> as I was saying, when dragons die, well, specifically when ancient dragons die, they diffuse into their environment. With red dragons, it happens in one of two ways. Um, the first way is the ground where it dies will break open, revealing sulfurous geysers and volcanic Holy vents. Shit. Yeah. And the second way that they can die is a magical and permanent wildfire that erupts within the area of the diffusion. Oh, that's cool. The fire never burns out, but it also never leaves the area. Oh, that's so cool. So it's like the permanent burning. Yeah, it is really
1: cool. You can go like as like a, um, you know, like the party has to go collect the fire of a dead dragon and use it to blah blah blah. Yeah, and then they have the Olympics. Yeah,
2: sure. (laughs) You can do something like that. That'd be kind (laughs) of cool. I can see some sort of event around the fire. That's pretty dope. So. Before we get into the stats of the lair and the actual stats of the dragon, do you got have any more questions
1: about red dragons? I feel like this is a pretty thorough covering of, of red That's dragons. That's what I was attempting to do. Yeah, we talked about their greed, their power, their coitus. Their coitus, yeah, of course. we got to mention yeah. the dragon
2: coitus. Their asshole coitus. All right, we're, move, we're moving on. <laughs> so uh, dragons are such inherently powerful and magical creatures that they have. they have... Layers with layer effects and layer actions, but they also have regional effects. So by just existing in an area, they they affect like the area within like a ten mile radius totally, of yeah. their layer. So uh, red dragons' regional effects are small earthquakes are common within six miles of the dragon's layer. Cool. Water sources within one mile of the layer are supernaturally really warm and tainted by like a sulfuric kind of smell and taste, like bad hot springs. Like bad hot springs, yeah. Uh, Also, rocky fissures within one mile of a dragon's lair form portals to the elemental plane of fire, allowing creatures of elemental fire into the world that dwell nearby.
1: That was actually when you were asking me about... I had a question much earlier in the episode about the elemental plane of fire. Yeah, red dragons love to live there. Okay, so they they can just... I mean, they're big magical beings of... Oh yeah, they can
2: they can portal their way there, especially oh, wow, when they're when they're older. They have the magic for that. They just like yeah. cut a
1: rift open with their wing, yeah. and, like shoot some fire into it, and then they them out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that like an escape route option for them? Yeah, why not? Anyone, any wizard that can do that, yeah. Oh shit! They just like, well, I'm losing this fight. Time to fucking phase to the elemental plane yeah. of fire. No, it
2: takes an action and a movement, and I'm not sure. I'd have to look at whatever given spells being used for like how long the portal lasts, but yeah, that's definitely an option. That is dope as hell. Yeah. So let's get into uh, layer actions and kind of how they work. So usually the way layer actions work is if you attack a creature within its layer um, and initiative is started, the layer will take an action of its own mm-hmm. um, on a specific set initiative number or numbers, depending on the monster. For for dragons, it's initiative count of 20. So, oh, wow! Okay. So imagine like you rolled initiative for the layer, the layer got a 20. Um, and uh, you never have to roll the layer well, not for the layer, 20. but yeah. you roll for everything else. Like you roll for the dragon, you roll for everything, and then wherever twenty lies, that's where the layer gets an action. That's cool. Although the way it's stated is the dragon is the one doing the thing, but they can only do it in the layer, and they get to do it on this off turn at the twenty mark initiative. Yeah.
1: Okay, so there, because if the dragon doesn't exist, the layer doesn't have an action. Exactly. Basically. Okay, yeah. if
2: the if you attack something within the layer and the dragon's not present, the layer does not get an action.
1: That's kind of like um, how when we do like skill challenges, or you do a chase, you mm-hmm. know, env- roll for the environment.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what I do. Okay, uh, for most skill challenges. So, so okay, here we go.
1: So on initiative
2: count twenty, the dragon takes a layer action to cause one of the following effects. The dragon can't use the same effect two rounds in a row. Okay. So there are three effects. The first one is magma erupts from a point on the ground the dragon can see within 120 feet of it, creating a 20 foot high five-foot radius geyser. Each creature in the geyser's area must make a DC 15 dex save or take 66 fire damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. So just like fire burst bam nice fire geyser <laughs> um the second effect that a dragon can do is a tremor shakes a lair in a 60 foot radius around the dragon each creature other than the dragon on the ground in that area must succeed on a dc 15 dex save or be knocked prone now that's a pretty handy one especially just if the
1: shaking or it's like something falling the, on just just the shaking earth it oh, wow. shakes okay. so
2: violently and like that's really really handy if like say let's say the dragon rolled a 19 on initiative But on twenty, its layer action goes off. It's like it shakes, everyone falls down. Now it has advantage on everyone.
1: Yeah. We're SoCal native, so we get earthquakes. So for people that don't get earthquakes, there is not a lot you can do about the whole fucking ground shaking. No, not at all. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that makes sense to me. Well, how do you deck save out of the ground? Um, you just keep your balance. I just jump.
2: Yeah, or you could jump, or you just you just have really good center of gravity. I just fucking pinned myself between two mattresses. So the final layer action is uh, volcanic gases form a cloud in a 20-foot radius sphere centered on a point the dragon can see within 120 feet of it. Wow. The sphere spreads around corners, and its area is lightly obscured. It lasts until initiative count 20 on the next round. Each creature that starts its turn in the cloud must succeed on a DC-13 constitution saving throw or be poisoned until the end of its turn. While poisoned in this way, a creature is incapacitated.
1: It's fucking piranha plant special.
2: It is. It's piranha plant special, except for if piranha plant special, like broke your shield or something. Yeah, totally. Because this incapacitates you, which is very fucking brutal. All three of these layer actions are very potent and can be used strategically in different ways. I really like it. Like one's just an offensive attack. Like if you got nothing else you can do, you can always just attack uh, one of the players, but it's got a nice knock everyone prone and give advantage kind of deal or knock everyone prone and then escape if it's things are going. Yeah. If you have to. Yeah. And then the other one is like, oh, the wizard over there is giving me trouble, but I'm fighting the paladin who's got me on him right now. Well, my lair, which doesn't count as me, is going to cause a cloud to make that wizard stop being effective at all. Yeah. So, again, very useful. So, uh, yeah, those are the regional effects and those are the layer effects. Let's quickly, we're going to go over the ancient red dragon, which is a challenge rating 24, one of the strongest things we've talked about on this show. And we're going to go over what the fivey dragon can do what it's about so we're looking at a 22 armor class we're looking at like 546 hp um just to kind of point out how ridiculous its ability scores are we're looking at a 30 strength a 29 constitution an 18 intelligence and a 23 charisma it's immune to fire it's got blind sight 60 feet and dark vision you know it's got both okay um it has legendary resistance, so this is one of the the big features you're going to see in a lot of like the high and boss level monsters. Basically, three times a day, if a dragon fails a saving throw, it can just choose to succeed. Okay, which is very very potent when a wizard pops off a really really dope spell and then the dragon fails, but then the dragon's like, "Nah, I'm good." So <laughs> God, no power or when kill your for you. Just
1: like Fail,
2: <laughs> yeah, and then and that's just a burned slot. Yep, and if you use the level nine slot, that hurts, that sucks. Or if you're a warlock, or if you're a warlock, that blows, yeah, yeah that is really sucks. Yeah, so uh, then it's got like its bite and its claw, and it all does big damage. Like the bite does 2d10 10 plus 10 plus 4d6 fire damage, so that's just a shit ton. That's just the bite, yep. Claw does uh, the claw attack does 2d6 plus 10 slashing, tail does 2d8 plus 10 bludgeon. Um, it has a frightful presence action where each creature of the dragon's choice set is within 120 feet of the dragon and aware of it must succeed a DC 21 wisdom saving throw or become frightened for one minute. God. And that, you know, that's a, that's the thing I see a lot in uh, a lot of the old books I used to read is it was very potent. They would talk about the dragon fear. Yeah. Like even if see in Dragonlance induced fear in Dragonlance, it wasn't a thing that got turned on and off. It was a thing that was always on. It was just a passive action. It, it was it was the no action. It was just like an aura that's about well, the yeah, dragon. Pat, pat, like a world You don't effect. even have to see the dragon. You could be in like an adjacent tunnel. <laughs> I and smell like the sulfur. You be you become <laughs> possessed by this fear. Oh man. Um, that you can't put a finger on. Now the dragons could like turn it up or turn it down if like by at will. But like passively, it was just on. That's cool. Like I want you to approach, but I need yeah. you to feel the fear. Even the good dragons had that amongst their allies by a little bit. They of course tone it down, but like the, the Knights of Salama would talk about was like just being unnerved, being next to the dragon, even though it's like a super good being.
1: Well, yeah, because you're next to something so ridiculously powerful. I can kind of see that. Well,
2: it's not even that. It's just it's this magically induced fear that's just always on. Yeah. So it's not even that. Yeah, Although it is like partially a,
1: that. I'm looking for like a physical explanation, but it's but magic. it's magical. There magic. is
2: no physical explanation. Even uh, Kender, who in um, Dragonlance are beings that don't feel fear, like it, it's not an emotion that they can normally ever have, mm-hmm. they will fear dragon fear, but to a much lesser degree. But they will feel it. Oh wow! And okay. They'll be like, "Oh, this is weird. What's this feeling?"
1: I was thinking like the magic goes into your fear receptor in your brain and puts <laughs> right. the switch on or yeah, whatever no. Or again, dial up.
2: again, no explanation physically. It's just it just happens. Yeah, uh, and even Kinder get a little bit shaken. Um, I remember reading, I guess, spoilers for Dragon Lancers, uh, a scene in, I think it's dragons of winter night or spring dawning. I'm not sure which one I think it was winter night where the Kender, uh, off Burfoot feels fear for the first time. Uh, and it's because of a fucking blue dragon. Okay. Um, but yeah, so cool stuff. Dragon fear frightful presence. I think it's a good representation. Uh, the fire breath. It's on a recharge of five or six, and it, dude, it's a ninety-foot cone. Um, each creature must make a DC twenty-four deck save. So that's really high. Twenty-six D six fire damage, half on a fail or half on a success. D6? Twenty-six D six fire damage. average is out to ninety-one damage a on dice a fire app. breath. And that's yeah. And that's um, that's on a recharge, my dude. Wow. So let's get into legendary action. So. The legendary actions are actions the dragon can take on any turn not their own. Okay. They have like a point system where they have like three points that they can expend. Um, and they can't and they can so okay. So they have three points they can expend uh each round, basically. Oh my god, and I each just come back on and the retouch. Each legendary action takes a certain number of points and they can't repeat. So I, they can't like they can't double dip on an action. Okay, sure. So the three actions are number 1 detect the dragon can make a wisdom perception check. That's obviously the least useful. I don't think that's really going to come up in most games. Uh, the second one is dragons just can make a tail attack in an off turn. Okay. So there's a lot of off turn stuff going on. You have lair actions popping off. You have legendary actions popping off. And then when the dragon has a turn, it's fucking devastating. That's why you don't attack a dragon in Slayer. lair. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, a wing attack, which costs two actions compared to the other two, which only cost one. The dragon beats its wings. Each creature within 15 feet of the dragon must succeed on a DC 25 dexterity saving throw or take... 2d6 plus 10, bludgeoning damage, and be knocked prone. Uh, the dragon can then fly up to half its speed on that same action. Damn, son. So um, that's two types of actions within its lair
1: it has to knock people the fuck down. I'm seeing some really cool combos you can do with the like, oh, yeah. lair exactly. versus
2: like, the legendary exactly. action. Exactly. So, so that's the red dragon, and that's you know the lair actions. And yeah, whenever you uh, fight a dragon and it's in its lair, that's when the dragon really feels like the threat it should be. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people want to be able to, like, have their dragon attack a party and it be just as much of a threat. I would say the best way that... The way that I would go about doing that is if it's an ancient dragon, I would definitely give it, like, some auras. So, like, maybe there should be, like, a fire aura about the red dragon, where just by standing next to it, there's this overwhelming heat. And maybe you could do, like, a save... Uh, against damage, or maybe it could just be an auto five damage at the start of each character's turn. The start in the aura. That's how four, four e and three, uh, third edition did it. So maybe you, you could do you, like if you're wearing a like plate, mm-hmm.
1: like you know how when it's super hot outside, you mm-hmm. can see the heat like waves baking off of the pavement. Yeah, and maybe you have a vision obscurity because of yeah. like heat coming off of your shit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, So yeah, that's one way to do it. Um, Another way you could do it is maybe like uh, a red dragon could summon some like fire elemental minions who like are like one hit kills, but like every like it will if it has like okay, so the red dragon arrives suddenly, three elemental fire elementals show up and they're all one hit kills, and at the end of each round, uh, if there's ever less than three, another one pops
1: up. Oh, wow. And okay. You could, you could have something like that to like spread out the action economy a little bit. If you just you like a do really well connected dragon that can like just summon like, like yeah. Cause remember like they they are these potently powerful magical beasts. So right. like
2: these are, there's some ways to do it. Other ways to do it, just get really clever with the spell casting. You have basically access to the whole spell list, like do some creative stuff there that maybe the dragon can do at the start of battle or right before the battle, um, to make the fight as tough as you want it to be. Right. Okay. Um, but other than that, do you have any other questions about Red Dragons?
1: Okay, I have like a general uh, general knowledge question kind of. That okay. <clears throat> I guess the Red Dragon is a good example and it might be a little controversial because I see a lot of this going on in the internet community of D&D mm-hmm. where I'm a bard and I'm going to seduce my enemy. You know, that's like <laughs> oh, yeah. a big... Yeah. So it's like, uh, oh, if I nat 20, my attack roll with a stick, I should like be able to blind this dragon. But there's this, you know, like school of thought where like you can never beat a dragon with a stick, no matter how good the die is, because that doesn't
2: add up. Yeah. You just don't let your players roll if it's not something that's possible.
1: Well, the seduction thing, I've seen that Same come up that. like so much. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you kind of like it doesn't seem fair. Even if you nat 20, if you nat 20, it goes the best it can go, Mm -hmm. but that's the best like it can go, right? Sure. Yeah. Not like you just get to do whatever you want. That's not how we address it. No, definitely not. I mean, not at our tables anyway. No. And I think that's... Just not a good way to play. I I mean, unless
2: you're going for ridiculous, in which case that's a great way to play. Yeah, I mean,
1: like if you get a nat twenty, you get to do whatever you want. But I just don't think that like your bard, no matter how sexy your bard is, (laughs) is going to be able to seduce the red dragon without something else. You know,
2: even if it does, with the way red dragons think, it's like oh, like. I've been successfully seduced or whatever. Like this mortal has caught my eye. I'm going to kill all his friends and take him captive. He's going to be my sex slave now. That's how dragons think. So So, like like, stuff like like that. Good job. You're a sex slave now. (laughs) Oh
1: gosh. The coitus. Yeah. Um, The coitus. You you know, there's things, there's things like that where I I just see so much of that in the community or it's like, Oh, I natty twenty. You gotta let me do it. Like, no, that's, no, I don't. Yeah, that's, that absolutely make any sense. not how
2: that rule works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all. so like, I
1: mean, that's not how it's written in the books, and that's not how most people treat it. So I, I. I think it's, it is cuz I I just see it so much like uh like the bard seducing uh, the uh, It's the a enemy. very
2: it's a very memey kind of thing to talk about. Yes, like oh it, I net 20, look at this ridiculous, you know, and people like the There's just stories. so many memes. And some people do run their games like that and it is fun to do it like that, but um generally speaking that's not
1: how it's done. I mean, it's so anticlimactic to just have your player like yeah. net 20 their way out of this plot you point. You can't net 20 your way out of everything. That's not how life works, okay. you know what I mean? Alright, I just yeah. wanted to like kind of yeah. touch on that a little bit. I yeah, know sure. we don't really talk about like those types of things, like yeah. community but stuff it's on every, the show.
2: It's your own game. So some people's games will work like that, and that's funny and cool. Other people's games, like, no, you're not going to do that because it doesn't make any sense. And this dragon wants to eat you guys. So. Yeah,
1: I guess the I guess the moral of the story is know your players and know, yeah, know, your players, know what kind of know table your DM, you're sitting at.
2: Exactly. Know the kind of game that you're trying to
1: run. Yeah, everybody everybody, be nice to each other and have fun. Whatever <laughs> you guys want to do. And with that being
2: said, uh, let's get ready for a long rest. We and should. really quick, uh, before we take our long rest... I want to talk about Super Quest Saga. It is the live play that we do here on the YouTube channel, but now it's actually an audio podcast. So it if you're is. listening to this in podcast form, you might be interested in listening to Super Quest Saga in podcast form. So the link's in the description. Uh, check it out. We think you
1: guys will probably like it. We uh, we have a contest coinciding with our, oh, yeah. our release of the show on a podcast. We're giving away some, uh, what are they call hack Hackstech?
2: Yeah, tech Metal Dice is really, cool. really nice metal dice. You can get them in any color you want. And we're giving away a set, and the way you enter to win one of these dice sets is by uh, leaving us a review and a rating on iTunes for Super Quest Saga.
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, I think Special Guest Jake actually uses a tech uh, set. Oh, does it? Yeah, I have to ask him if you like them. Yeah, they I think look he's really got some nice. blue. They are very nice. Okay, very um, nice. so yeah, if you guys want a chance to win some dice, um, we've been seeing the reviews come in. They're overwhelmingly positive, as most of the reviews for yeah. both these shows. Thank you, guys. Are. Thank, so, thank you to yeah.
2: everyone who has left a rating and review. We really appreciate it. it's yeah. really helping us out.
1: It's nice to get feedback just in general on how we're doing, um, especially when we're, we're making. You know, everybody has rules hiccups, so it's nice to see what we what we did, so we can fix it for next time. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, so yeah, thank you to everybody that is doing that. Um, we want to talk about TDC plays our, our yeah our YouTube channel our sister YouTube channel where we Indeed. do gaming yeah we're, we're, we play video games there the links in
2: the description if you like hearing our voices if you like uh, hearing what we have to say do you go. like us
1: yeah, go check like out this us? channel
2: where we play video games and we talk there too. Do you like us? Not about D and D usually, but we talk. But sometimes, sometimes D and D comes Do you up. Like but... you.
1: Well, it's always gonna. It's us. We're gonna yeah, to it's talk us. about D and D,
2: but mostly video game talk. And I think right now we have a uh, Pokemon Nuzlocke still going. We have uh, Smash uh, Sundays where we play uh, Smash Bros Ultimate every Sunday. Yeah, we're mixing it up. Um, we're doing some cool stuff. We got in some there. Zelda too. We got some more. We got some more games coming down the pipeline. So yeah.
1: So. Um, we hit in the short rest about um talking to people about the show. If you guys want to help us out, you can do that. You can get on Patreon, mm-hmm. um, at the Dungeon Cast on Twitter. You can email us uh, with any kind of feedback, thedungeoncast at gmail.com. We have some ad space uh on the show, obviously. So if you guys want to get an ad, you can hit us up about that. Um if we if we run out of requests for ads, that's totally fine. <laughs> for totally sure, fine too. Um <laughs> With that being said,
2: I think we could call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later.
1: Bye. The Dungeon Cast
0: Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic?